This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Two Fit Crazy Productions, TFC Productions, that's our production company helping people with their podcasts. Increase your brand, grow your business by creating your very own podcast, and we are here to help you every step of the way. You do not have to do all the work. We do a lot of it for you. This podcast is also brought to you by ContiFit.com. Get the best online training, the best in arthritis, in let's face it together, facial fitness and rehabilitation, all sorts of functional fitness training at your fingertips. That's ContiFit.com. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, virtual health coaching sessions and corporate wellness programs, all the information at high5healthandfitness.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Guys are going to love this. This is so good. Welcoming back, technically we're welcoming him back, Sergeant Ken Weikert to the podcast today. And the last time he was here was quite a while ago. It was last spring. It was about a year ago. And uh was talking about his, you know, pandemic and he started Project Hope and that was to help other people endure the acronym of hope, obviously, and really made a uh, worldwide movement with that. He's just such a he, he's got a mind and spirit of serving others. And today he's going to get into a little bit of his backstory of how he, I guess, became who he is. Sergeant Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, a lot of it I did not know. Mm-hmm. I did not know that he had a theatrical background, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and now it makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, I did not know, you know, the reasons that he went into the military and, you know, and, and became Sergeant Ken and. Now it makes sense and, mm-hmm. you know, and then everything, you know, coming back from war and coming back into society right. after, you know, the traumatic experience like that, you know, now hearing him speak, you know, he's obviously somebody who's done the work, uh, you know, had to do the work in order to reacclimate uh, in, in, in the way that things are. And, and it's just amazing. When you sit back and hear this story, really think about putting the puzzle pieces together from someone who, you know, he was a he was an athlete growing up, had a very traumatic injury, works his way back from that, now is is going into theater and whatnot to get a scholarship for school, for college, and goes to the military and whatever he went through there and getting married and going on tours and PTSD and all of these different pieces of his life make him who he is. And now you know, really going out and inspiring other people with hope and love and, oh my gosh, um, the amount of lives that he touches and changes and he works with a lot of, you know, um, people with PTSD and also, um, you know, different groups of, you know, combating suicide. suicide. Yeah. Is it makes sense because his background, this is his gift. This is his, you know, kind of mission in life and his purpose and he knows it and it's, it's hard work and it's tough and it's so unbelievable to know a human that is he's so a, inspiring. He's a special person. Mm-hmm. He's a special human being. And and listen, I, I think that, you know, in order to set this up a little bit, when when 
we're a health and fitness and mm-hmm. wellness podcast. When you listen to Sergeant Ken, I want you to think about health and all the aspects of health. We talk about it on the show. Ken nails it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about boot camps and fitness and personal training and you know things like that. It's about everything that comes into health, including love, including hope, uh, including you know mindset and having your why and and all these things. So you know, listen, you guys are gonna love this. He's you know he's a captivating person. He's an amazing human being, and uh, you know I just want if you listen to this, you're gonna get so much out of it. So we'll be quiet now mm-hmm. and we'll let Ken do the talking. All right, here we go. Two fit crazies in a microphone. Enjoy this one, everybody. Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Brian. Yes. Okay. We have an amazing guest, Sergeant Ken. How are you? Dandy, how are you? (laughs) We have got Sergeant Ken in rare form today, everybody. And uh, I expect nothing less. How are you doing today? You know, I'm going to go ahead and just stick with the word dandy. I think it's um, from the Leave it to Beaver days. I remember everything was swell and dandy. And as you were reminding me about our appointment today, um, which I really appreciated, I realized that I had it on a completely different date and time. And so here I am feeding my uh, three-year-old and um, making certain my son my 11-year-old boy is staying diligent on his homeschooling efforts, and my wife is working on some sort of Zoom call with the Veterans Administration project that she's doing. And then here I am. Okay, Mr. Mom, <laughs> here we go. And um, so, yes, that's right. Sergeant Ken, speaking in third person, here we go, also has days and moments of being Mr. Mom. And that's what you are going to get today is all of it in the raw. Yes. So, so you really miss traveling, right? <laughs> you know, it. You know, my wife made fun of that the other day. You know, traveling 280 days a year. You know, uh, multiple countries, signing autographs in some countries, and then I come back and I change diapers, <laughs> and she goes, "What's this transition like?" I said, "I don't know yet." <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. You know, because you know, this is our new world, right? There's no privacy. There's none. There is no, there is no leaving for the office or leaving for the plane. There's just you just have sections of time that you work out with, uh, you know, your significant other, your your spouse, um, your kids, and you just kind of say, okay, you know, now you're really working with that shared calendar and uh, Google Calendar, and then just you say, okay. I've blocked out this such and such time and, 
And so let's work with each other. But, you know, there are times that like yesterday I was doing a private mastermind mentorship uh, um, uh, group that um, I, I lead once a week. And the three-year-old comes barging in at the tail end of the call. And it's just, this is what our new normal is. You know how many pe- how many pets I've seen in the last year? It blows my mind. No, you are you're responsible for that too. How many times has your cat just kind of walked across the screen? Mr. Whiskers? <laughs> Mr. Rooney? Mr. Rooney or Mr. Whiskers? Oh my gosh. I I did a uh, call this morning. Christine was on the call and my kids are downstairs virtual. My my wife is a teacher so she's at school. My three boys, Mo, Larry and Curly are at the their, you know, designated battle stations doing <laughs> schoolwork and and I'm in my bedroom but I don't have a desk in my bedroom I propped up three plastic bins that were designated for the change of season clothing that happened to be right there <laughs> and, and instant office you know we're uh, you know I got the computer yeah. open you looked professional I'm professional I pulled it off <laughs> Right. <laughs> this is fantastic. I know. This is our new normal. Yeah. This is our new normal. It is. And for all the listeners out there, if you recognize this voice, Sergeant Ken was actually on our show back in the spring of 2020. Right. Let's throw this out here for our episodes that people listen to all, all the time. So spring of 2020, you came on and you were with uh, – Steve Feinberg, Speedball Steve, and you were talking about this amazing project called Project Hope. And it is that was an absolutely amazing project and really changed so many lives, which was awesome to see to bring people together. So I just wanted to throw that out there for our listeners if they didn't hear you before to go back and listen to that. But we'd realized Sergeant Ken has not been on the show by himself. Yeah, Steve, <clears throat> Steve talks too much, right? We need we need Ken. <laughs> Just a, a you know spotlight on Ken. Well, Steve is great at pontificating. <laughs> he is amazing at it. <laughs> to speak like the pontiff, and, he's got um, he's got and, the best but, words. But he's good. He's got a lot to say. Um, and uh, so I, I'm sure your listeners benefited from having Steve on your show. And I do remember um, talking about Project Hope, Help Other People Endorse, what HOPE actually stands for. And uh, Chris, uh, Chris, you were an integral part of this whole journey, um, helping lifting people out of dark days and triumphing over tough times. And uh, so I, I appreciate you and your selfless service and what you did for Project Hope during our first chapter of that whole journey um, when you uh, spoke for this audience and, you know, you volunteered your time to prepare and present something that was powerfully profound and, um, and it brought peace to people that really needed it in a time that there was no peace. So I wanted to thank you for your listeners too, that they needed to know that you were a part of this. Much appreciated. It's, you know, that's what we try and do. We try and give our, you know, give our life experiences and, and that whole idea of, of service and servitude and 
giving and providing value. And once you realize that that is what life is about, life is life is pretty cool. Just say that. Yeah, life is pretty cool. I agree. So Project Hope. So where do we go from here? Project Hope went around the world, no? Yes, exactly. We um, we had speakers. Well, first we had viewers and listeners that were from, I think, seventeen countries at at its peak for that for that chapter. And I say that chapter because we were doing those two hour free continuing education credit approved webinars with multiple speakers, and uh, the. The CECs were based off of, uh, uh, you know, behavior change. That was the su- subject that it satisfied to be um, validated for CECs. And, and we had at, at its peak for this, we had 17 countries chiming in. Then we finally said, look, we, this would be best if we service other things. And, and we had a, a team of speakers out of Singapore. Uh, they were really hurting over there and Malaysia being their neighboring country. And, and so uh, they wound up, um, they wound up uh, doing two of their own project workshops uh, for primary of their people um, based off of time zones that were primed for them. Um, But we had listeners in North America uh, and South America chiming in as well. That was the coolest thing, by the way, to, to get everyone, you know, it's it's 10 p.m. here, it's 10 a.m. there, it's, and people were actually, you know, in the middle of the night, coming to Project Hope to listen. That I think right. was that just speaks for itself when you when you're like, you know, we're doing this, and people will go out of their way and rearrange their life to hear mm-hmm. from people that they don't even know about, but because they trust you. Sergeant Ken, they, you've uh, developed uh. this, you know, this reach, this energy that I've talked about to you before that you just know you connect with people for some weird reason. You just, there's something there that you, you know, kind of gravitate to and people gravitate to you. You're like the Pied Piper. <laughs> mm. well, well, you're too kind. Uh, it's, uh, and as your listeners know, they'll go back to to the rerun if they hadn't heard that episode before that, you know, we were all hurting during that moment that the pandemic problem took control of our freedom. And on March of 2020 really was that month where it all started to change. And I looked at my phone and we had 47 cancellations. Uh, me personally, my my year 2020 was all scratched in 2021 as well. And and but I knew that other people were hurting worse than us, and so that was the birth of Project Hope. Again, the, the word hope just stands for help other people endure. And we, you know, we really saw a perspective when we had people like Archie Nellis out of the Philippines that was, um, you know, traveling on his scooter at three o'clock in the morning to wait in line for a loaf of bread, um, and uh, so that was th- his whole day. Um, during the uh, during the beginning of the COVID crisis, and so we wanted to give back because so, you know I, I'm sure I'm sure most of your listeners know um, the book The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. If they don't, that might be a good segue for us to talk about uh, my own journey and really 
um, where I stand on professional development and personal development that, that it was a required reading for us when we were returning from my uh, combat tour of duty in Iraq. Um, and so Gary Chapman talks about uh, we all have five love languages, how we give and receive love, and, and some take a higher priority for us and how we service others and how we receive love. And, and for me, you know, one of the five love languages that I really focus on is acts of service. And so when I, when I do these things, when I do these things like Project Hope, I realize that I actually feel like I'm alive. When I'm serving others, I feel like I am vibrant and alive. And I hope that makes more sense. Without a doubt, and I'm feeling it right now, within the last 24 hours, I was able to put something out that had a very positive return, and it's helping somebody who needs it very much. And I'm... Just tell us what it is really fast. Go, Brian, you have to. Uh, okay, yeah. 1,000% I'm feeling you. So there's a little girl. I used to train her mom at the gym, 5 a.m. classes, early morning. We were a tight-knit group. And um, her daughter came down. You know, she, They diagnosed her with cancer. She went to the ER with a stomach mm. ache. And you know, stomach ache that within six hours of them going to the ER, they had taken out both the 10-pound tumor and her kidney that it was attached to. And oh my goodness. A, a nine-year-old kid. And you got to see this kid. She is awesome she's a beautiful kid tons of you know just pizzazz and spunk and fire and all that stuff she's she's a she's a dynamite uh kid and mm. and uh you know i just um now she's going through chemotherapy uh six weeks of that and and uh you know there's been some movement uh to, to get the kids some help and the family some help more than anything you know the dad's a hard-working guy he owns a big landscaping company and he can't work you know he's got to be with the family and the mom's got to be you know they just they just need help so uh i've you know, being the runner that I am, I, I had some running events coming up that uh, uh, that I just, you know, dedicating to them and asking people to donate. Um, you know, I'll do the fun stuff. I'll do the running. I'll do the, you know, the, mm. the heavy lifting. Uh, and it's not going to be easy. There's a marathon on Sunday and there's uh, four hours or four miles every 48 hours for uh, for 48 hours uh, the following weekend. And it's going to be pretty gnarly. Mm. But uh, um, But within 24 hours, like I set up a, you know, a, a donation page and man it hit hard it, it it really um people came out so just what you're saying i am living that right now uh just with exactly what you said and that's very much a love language that uh that i connect with as well so my hat's off to you that's amazing absolutely amazing yeah you Thank know you. uh john c maxwell said it best every single day of your life you have the chance to write your eulogy and what he meant by that shock statement was, how do you want to be remembered? There's one thing in our fitness industry is, you know, it's saying, oh, wow, you know, Sam really gave me great workouts or Sam changed my life. How do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the type of person I've always been. And, um, you know, going back, you know, people always ask me, why did, why did I get in the fitness industry altogether? And, uh, it, it's, I've always been an athlete. Let's just go back and make certain I outline that for your uh, listeners that I've always been an athlete. In fact, what um, football was my game, American football, that is. And I know you probably have, you know, listeners uh, from other countries. So American football, not soccer. And that was my game. And I, in fact, I was supposed to go to 
I was being scouted by 17 different universities who go on a free ride. And, and I thought that this would be my career. I thought that, you know, eventually pros. But when you're young and then you lack uh, the, the intentional pursuit of mentorship, what can often happen is, is that you will fall from grace. And I went from hero to zero in a second where I tried to do some crazy move in the end zone. And, you know, even though it wasn't out of malice, someone from the opposite team face masked me while I was being tackled and I cracked my L4 hmm. and my vertebrae in three places. I was temporarily paralyzed from the waist down for four weeks Whoa. and four days. And so just imagine if all you knew since the age of six, because that was the first time I, I held a football in my hands, all you knew since the age of six came to a sudden halt. And as you're sitting there, not feeling anything below your waist and you're in the hospital room and th all the doctors are discussing things on the other side of that glass. And you have no idea what they're talking about. You, you go through all of the fear the anguish, the anxiety, but then you realize that, you know what? It was my fault. I did a, I did a crazy thing where I was thinking about me and not about the team. And it was the team that got me to where I was because that's the whole basis of being in a football game. And I was trying to, in my arrogant, young self centered self that I tried to do something that was just to glorify me instead of lifting the team up. You know, we said in Project Hope so many times that all boats rise together on high tide. And that's, that's the purpose of that kind of sport and as well as what we do and, you know, charity and philanthropy. And so I, I had to really had to take a step back and rely on whatever signature strengths that I have and signature strengths, I guess I'm, you know, for your listeners, I'm referring to Dr. Martin Seligman's positive psychology program on AuthenticHappiness.com, where he talks about the values and action survey, a 20 minute free survey where you can find out where you stand on the 24 strengths and of character that we all have in our system. But the five, the top five are the, your signature strengths. And, and so I had to rely on one of them for me is faith. Faith is in my top five. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God, just give me one more chance. And on the fifth day of the fourth week, feeling came back. And he came back with a vengeance. I mean, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my hmm. life. But it was, it was interesting, too, because I look back at it and I say, it was a glorious pain. And I didn't know that you could have a glorious pain. But to me, it was it was recognition that things were going to be all right. And it strengthened my faith. It strengthened my hope. I learned how to crawl, walk, run all over again. And this is my senior year in high school. So remember, as I'm walking around at the, uh, with one of those man girdles underneath my clothes that keep my back uh, supported, um, you know, so I was off of crutches and I was walking around slowly um, down the uh, high school down the high school, um, uh, you know, hallways. And, and then I had to make certain that uh, uh, I kept it supported. But I remember that um, 
the scouts were walking through with uh, some of the other players. And I knew that this, it was no longer going to be my for, uh, career. It was no longer going to be my future. Okay. And so, um, so I had to re- reinvent myself. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. Uh, and I, t- and trust me, uh, I wasn't going to get a scholarship for my grades. My grades were good. They were A's and B's, but it wasn't enough to, um, get a scholarship for grades. Uh, my schoolwork, it was, it was going to be where I would have to rely. I, I couldn't rely on football. So I didn't know what to do. And here is my last week of my senior year walking around with my letterman jacket stiff back because of the man girdle underneath my clothes, that back support wrap. And I see this room that said scholarships on top of the door had no idea what was through the door. So I walk in, close the door and everyone in the room stops talking and stares at me. It's just the typical thing you'd see in a movie, but it was true. They all stared at me and there was about three guys that were kind of stood out. They were, um, they were wearing um, long trench coats, like from a thrift store, Wayfair sunglasses and clove cigarettes in their ears. And I know I'm dating myself now with that statement, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so they're 10 feet away from me and they look at me with my letterman jacket and everything and uh, sort of a half smile because I knew I was <laughs> I was on the visiting team's football field right there, right? And so one of them looked at me and said, well, Jock, are you lost? Mm-hmm. I walked into the drama department. <laughs> and let That's me tell awesome. you, th- okay, this is the 80s. I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> this is the 80s. So actors and athletes, they don't mix right. mm-hmm. at all, right? And especially then. Because there was such a division of clicks back then more than ever, okay? And so, well, I said, well, <laughs> how do you get the scholarships? And they're all laughing at me. Again, I, I'm the visiting team, right? <laughs> and so the laughing sort of subsided, and there was this big, huge man that stood in the center of the classroom um, that caused them to stop the commotion. And uh, he says, we're doing scenes from plays. And it, you know, he had this bellowing Shakespearean voice. And what he was doing, he was explaining to me what it would take to get the scholarship. We're doing scenes from plays. They must be between two to three minutes in length. And they must be at least two characters or more to show your versatility <laughs> and style. Now, it is 1130 right now. And I'll take my last person at 415. Because at 430, I'll be in my car driving home. Now, I don't know why that last part was important. But I get it. <laughs> to, be, to, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late is to be not forgiven, Sun Tzu, Art of War, right? <laughs> All right, and so here it is, is that he, he, he's giving me the rules, and I, I finally had hope again, you know, because I, I didn't know what I was going to do for college. I didn't want to go working for a year because I it was really my thing to kind of go right away to college and try and make something of myself, right? And at least because that was what was important to me and my friends at the time, and so it was 1130. He was going to take his last person to 415. I said, okay, I'll be back. And the laughing goes back on. So I said, I knew what those guys were going to do. Those other drama dudes, <laughs> something from Shakespeare, right? Something 11 characters, right? To show their versatility and style. I get it. Okay. But he said two, two or more. Keep it simple, sweetie. 
kiss, right? <laughs> so I got in there and I found something that was funny, sad, but ended on a funny note. Two and a half minutes in length was this nice little scene there. And it was two characters. He said he was taking his last person at 4.15. I walked in at 3 p.m. No one was laughing this time. Those same three guys that were sitting in the back at this time, when I walked back in, I heard that same guy that confronted me. He said, oh, well, the jock is serious. And so the drama coach put me on stage right away to make certain that um, I had my chance to get it out. And I gave it everything I had <laughs> from the heart. And at 3.03, I was done because, again, it was, I, was, I walked in at 3 and it was, um, it was only two and a half minutes length. At 3.03, I was done sitting in the front row. And I guess this was the time where the drama coach was writing down the, the evaluation. And it was quiet in the room. And it was the longest six minutes of Seinfeld silence <laughs> I have ever experienced in my life. Okay, And so he takes the evaluation. He folds it up, puts it in an envelope and then passes it down to the front row. And I guess the protocol would be to <laughs> don't look at it, right? Don't look at it until the end of the end of that day. But no, I ripped it open and I looked at that letter and it said, congratulations, you've just been awarded a full scholarship in theater and opera to Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> That's beautiful. And that really happened. <laughs> Unreal. Now, so, so let's just look at this though, because what we do in in the fitness arena, especially and especially now that we're virtual, right? Especially now, what we do is fitness theater. If we can't captivate them, not just motivate them, but captivate them, they can go anywhere now to get that sort of thrill. And that movement and mobility that they really need. So, so it really came together for me. Um, you know, and then I went through some crazy moments of my college years too. And I, uh, I left college temporarily so that I could still get that discipline that I, I craved from my back in my football days. And I, I lied to a, a, a recruiter. Whoops. Now it's out now. Okay. So I lied to a recruiter <laughs> and joined the army and, um, and I got in and I just, by then my back was really strong because I was working on my core all the time. And so uh, I, I've been in the military uh, since I eventually went back and finished college, but uh, I've been in the military since I made that little quick departure uh, midstream. And um, I've been in the military now for 34 years, just reenlisted again. I'm in the reserves, the National Guard station in Tennessee. And uh, it's been 34 years I've been in the military, multiple deployments overseas. And um, so if you take what I'm doing in boot camp, it, it made sense for me because I have my fitness background. I had my theatrical film and uh, opera. Why opera, by the way? By the way, when you're in theater, you have to take minor. And the minor is either dance, primarily ballet, or singing. Me and a tutu did not work. Okay, so. Damn, I wish you would have taken ballet. Oh, oh yes. But I had to. I, the first, my first year in college, I still had to take it, right? I was horrible. I came in in sweats. And the, the, the woman said, if you do not wear a 
leotard, I am going to fail you for the class. And I said, leotard? Oh. What? And, I, and she, she says, you know what I mean. You, if you don't wear it, I will fail you. So I still showed up in sweats. I still did all the things that I needed to for that year. She gave me a D. It was my only thing below a B um, in college. And But I finished it, and I eventually was able to get get that done and out of the way. And then I finished with opera um, uh, voice as my minor. And so if you look at what I'm doing at boot camp, you have fitness, you got theater, film, opera, and then you've got my military background. It, it made sense when I was trying to look for work after coming back from one of my tours of duty in Iraq. And I was in, uh, living in San Francisco at the time. I now live in awesome Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but when I was living in San Francisco, when I got back from Iraq that one time, I needed work. And I just decided, well, I'm going to start a boot camp. This is 1996, at the end of 1996. Okay, let's go back in the fitness world to Fit Crazies. <laughs> what was going on in 1996 in the fitness industry? Step aerobics. Uh-huh. And we were coming out of the of this sort of jazzercise thing, right? Okay. And so when I show up with my camouflage pants and my tight shirt that I got from the baby gap, okay, <laughs> What happens is, is that I stood out like a turd in the punch bowl. Okay. <laughs> so it was, it was hilarious, but it worked. I was the first boot camp in all of San Francisco. And then by now, you know, that you can see them everywhere. Right? right. But, um, this is, that was how I got into that journey. It was really where I had to reinvent myself and, you know, here, here it is now years later. And, and, um, all of my travel, uh, comes to a screeching halt and yet again, reinventing myself, but it was still to service others because again, that love language that I felt that in my heart that I was destined to do was acts of service. Now, those of you who don't know the five love languages, you know, you've got physical touch, you've got gifts, words of affirmation, quality time spent and acts of service. So I show love by acts of service. Okay. Now this is important. And I want to go back to this too, because uh, I guess now you, I've told your listeners um, about my professional uh, journey for the most part, but my personal journey was that also to um, what I've done most of the time in the military, when I, my wartime job skill has been counterintelligence. I worked in the intelligence field. My peacetime job skill is I am the lead life coach for the suicide prevention task force. I felt it in my heart that that's what I was supposed to do, adding another dimension to the fitness world because fitness is to make you fit. Well, to make you fit means to to counter anything that you're not fit in your life, and that could be physical, nutritional, emotional. That's your life coaching piece. Social, family, financial, spiritual. These are all dimensions of fitness, right? And so I really tried to work on that emotional dimension for myself and other soldiers because I had PTSD extremely bad PTSD when I came back from a very violent tour in Iraq. All right. And so here it was that um, uh, I I had to really dig into this, 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 um, these five love languages, because I would been with my wife for a certain period of time. And I got along with her so well that I figured she was just like me. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, she should be right because I married her and I figure she's acts of service too. 
And that chaplain, he shoved that book in my hands for the first time when I was coming back from Iraq. He says, read this, dude. You've got a lot of little bit of, uh, you know, angst in you that I think this will get you um, on the right track. And I think that your wife will appreciate it. And I read it. And so here it is. I'm back home from Iraq for the first time. And I wanted to show her love. So I'm making this long meal, a gourmet meal. And it took me about three and a half hours to make it. And we're sitting there. We're, no, we're conversing. Everything is fine. You know, just talking, right? But we're, you know, we're sitting at the dinner table and uh, we're talking. And, um, you know, the first thing that comes to my head voice, my head voice says, well, she's not complimenting the meal. WTF, hmm. right? And so... But my heart voice said, hold on there, soldier. You just read the five love languages. Give it a moment. So we continued talking. We continued having the meal. And then um, when it came to the very end, I took the dishes. I rinsed them off, put them in the dishwasher. And then I said, hey, honey, let's move it to the couch. And let's catch up. She lit up inside. Why? Because her love language it's quality time spent. Now, here's my point. Even in the fitness world, especially now during the COVID crisis, if you don't know the love language of the people you care for, one, find it out. Two, and you can go to fivelovelanguages.com and take a five-minute quiz and you'll find out which ones that, that uh, have a priority in your life. But now, if you don't pursue the love language of the people you cared for first, before you try and satisfy your own, you're just going to live in a world of regret and resentment instead of resilience. Because when I, when I sat there on that couch talking to her and catching up with her, she realized I was pursuing her. And in that recognition of that pursuit, she recognized what I was trying to do for her. And it was when we were sitting on the couch, she said, I'm sorry I didn't say it earlier, but that meal was absolutely amazing. Isn't that what we should all try and do, especially now when we're all kind of crammed in our own homes because of the COVID crisis and that we're all trying to do virtual training? You know, there's a strong movement to try and get people DISC certified so they can know where they stand in their personality uh, test and the DISC test. And, but I think before they even do that, should, they should just find out what their love language is and the love language of the people that they're training. And if they could just understand that and know that and pursue that, I think that the, we, these relationships and the rapport that we will build will be stronger than ever. I don't know if that's the direction you wanted me to go with this, I but this love is just everything. Yeah, no, All perfect right. direction. But you, I got a question for you. You go though. with what feels good, <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Ken. Okay, this is this is your show, baby. Uh, but I got I got I got to say something though, Ken. I'll jump in after. Mm. I'm okay. a man. <laughs> And you're talking all this love stuff, and I got work yeah. to do, and I got to do all this stuff. Yeah. I'm playing a role right now. And, yeah. you know, so, like, you can save all that, you know? If she doesn't appreciate yeah. me, then I'm out of here. Where's Brian? Bring Brian mm. back. Take mm. us in the man school, Sergeant Ken. 
Okay, I'll take you to the man school and I'll flip it from a different uh, perspective. Because if if we all learn to look through the lenses of grace and empathy, we wouldn't have the lack of humanity that we have in the world today. So my point is this. Your relationships with whomever it is should be built on an intentional pursuit, a daily intentional pursuit toward that other individual. And so, for example, in my growth group the other day, we were digging deeply into building mission statements and mission statements are a written articulation of how you see yourself in the best given potential written in the present tense as if it were today. Because when we make these mission statements, we read them aloud and it's, it's the best version of us. So when we don't, when we read it aloud, even though it hasn't happened yet, we think it's true when we, we pursue, it's our life compass. All right. So what I'm getting at is that when I was teaching them about their mission statements, I said, it's the I am statements of life. I am a great husband that learns something new about my wife every single day. I'm a great father that teaches my children a new life skill every single day. I'm a life changer that tries to impact and empower a new soul every day. Okay, so going back to I'm a great husband that tries to learn something new about my wife every single day. So I was realizing that that regardless of the love languages, I was in China this one time uh, when we were traveling, and I had, was exhausted. It was bad travel, missed flights, and a, I'm on my 33rd hour of no sleep. And I I got to the hotel with just three hours to take a quick nap and be ready to speak for eight and a half to nine hours. And so exhausted. So I was so wired from all of this horrible travel experience that I wound up not being able to sleep. Okay. And um, so I was sitting there not wondering what was going on. And I said, why can't I sleep? Why am I feeling like uncomfortable right now because I wasn't living up to those values of who I am and what so then I called my wife and I said hey honey how you doing because it was the right time zone to do so anyway and so I said honey I'm just restless it's not that you know got to you know talk to her I'm pursuing her and I said hey listen honey is there something new or unusual that happened today as a matter of fact there is and she blah 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 blah, and she shares it now, I'm going back to my I am statement. I am a great husband that learns something new about my wife every single day. That gets me on track for the pursuit. Now, ultimately, it's still satisfying those love languages, but now I'm flipping the lens. How do you want to see this whole life activity? For us to just simply say, I provide, that's only cohabitation. That's not a relationship. A relationship requires intentional pursuit. And so when I'm called in to talk to people, whether it's on the capacity of being in the suicide prevention task force or whether it's um, um, or whether it's uh, for uh, just doing. Uh, counseling for a group through the church, and then we're doing some sort of marriage enrichment seminars or something like that. It's always somewhere along the line, they stop pursuing each other and wound up just doing the things in the same domicile. And what happened is, is that people will grow apart if not pursuing each other. 
Did that give more clarity? Absolutely. This is such a good conversation. And I have to jump in with the whole idea of the love languages because I'll go back real fast and then go forward. But um, I remember talking to you. I don't know where, I don't know what city we were at. It's all a blur after a while when you start traveling. It was. Right. I have no idea. It was a table. I remember the room. Couldn't tell you the city. But. We were talking and you would ask me a couple of questions about, you know, what's, you know, your mission, where do you see things and whatnot. And you're like, when did you ever read the five love languages? And I'm like, of course I've read that book. Everyone's read it. And you're like, well, when was the last time you read it? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's been a while. It was, I probably read it traveling on a plane or something. And I think it's important to, you know, not just read that book. And if it's not that book, something along those lines that really gets you to open up your your eyes to things, mm-hmm. but to take mm-hmm. a moment and say, wait a minute, okay, let, let me internalize this. Let me reflect mm. on how I am living, the decisions that mm. I am making. And mm. one of the things that, that I tell people is that when you get up in the morning and I write it on my calendar, it's very cliche, but it says, is what I'm doing today you know, leading me towards my bigger goal. And yes, if you exactly. Can't, if you can't answer that, Pursuit. if you're spending time on something that is not, you know, lifting you up or serving you, because you've got to serve yourself first. Otherwise, you know, you, you can't feed anyone else. If you can't feed yourself, it's not going to be good. And whatever that That's right. food is, is it, is it love? Is it, you know, is it human touch? I know for me, I am a physical presence. Don't give me a gift. Give me your time. And that's really important. Exactly. And it's important for me to understand that. And it's funny because when you were like, when's the last time you read it? In the airport on my way home, I grabbed it and I bought it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reread this. And when I reread it at a different, you know, kind of a different point in my life, because again, reinvention is the name of the game. You know, Brian and I call Mm -hmm. ourselves recovering. We're both recovering business and teaching and this... You know, that's what makes you so rich. You're not this, I just did the military or I just did drama and opera and I just did. No, it's all of these things are are you. You put the pieces together and how am I going to evolve and be something bigger and make an impact? You have that same bug that I have, that Brian has. We're awake. What do we say? We're woke. Everyone talks about now. <laughs> We're, We're awake. We For something, things happened in our lives that woke us up. Whether it be younger, right. older, something happened. And it was, oh my gosh, that oh my gosh moment. And what's interesting is when I reread the love book and I'm like, okay, I know I'm the physical. Why was I chasing money? Because I thought that was success for part of my life. Because that's not me. What What am I? Mm. I'm the physical. I'm the networking. I'm the person. and. Yeah. And when you kind of realize that, it's important. And I did realize that growing up, that was something that was ingrained. The in wiring. Me. The wiring was success is money is power. Success, money, power. That is not me. So when half of me is like, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. was pursuing someone else's life. And as soon as I mm-hmm, realized that, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn it. You know, but it's never too late to reinvent over and over again. 
And my mother, right? Car- my mother, Carol. <laughs> I got to do the voice because okay? she's from Brooklyn originally. But my mother was real sick over this past. She had pancreatic cancer. Mm. She's still alive, by the way. If anyone's afraid of pancreatic, any- oh, if, if pancreatic yeah. cancer is afraid of anyone, it's Carol. Okay, so she's just a very stoic woman. Wow. But what's interesting mm. is that Carol never realized that I am not someone who values the money, the gifts. She could give me things, but that wasn't making me full. That wasn't filling my cup. I always felt like I was missing something. I wasn't enough because we were not speaking the same languages. And I left that book that I bought in the airport at my mom's house <laughs> in oh, hopes wow. in hopes that she might read it and maybe like get a little you know taste of wow you can this you might have gotten me wrong you know so i still have yet to you know cuz i'm i'm the baby i'm always wrong so <laughs> i still have yet to 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 pine but that was my you know, I remember being like, well, mom, I, I, here's a book I'm going to leave for you in case you want to read it. It's, you know, if you're feeling mm. up to it. But that is so powerful, like you said, for people to figure out what is your language. Because unless you figure yourself out, it's no use trying to figure other people out because you're going to be living the wrong life, chasing the wrong dreams. Okay. Right. And you just hit it right there. Okay. Because a lot of these people are going to be listening to this and saying, oh, okay but I'm still dealing with this or um, I haven't really figured that out. And, and, and the reason is, is that some people are going through their lives and they don't know their why. And it's like, you know, just, you know, when you go through this moment where you discover your who and your why and you write it in your vision and through your mission statement and, and then you, you pursue that every single day, it's your life compass. But, and it's like molding, uh, an elephant in an art class with a block of clay. Now, if you've never done that before, you know, you're sitting there, you know, going, Oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? You've got this big, huge block of clay. You've got the water to kind of soften it. You've got the chiseling tools and it's on that piece of paper. And so what do you think you might need if, 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 if you've never molded a, an elephant out of a block of clay, you will need a picture <laughs> because without that picture, you're going to chip and chisel away at that block of clay. And then when you're done sawing it down and carving it out, you're going to look and say, well, that didn't turn out how I thought <laughs> it should. And that's how some of us are going through our lives. We don't know our who and our why. We're not investing in ourselves. You know, that's, you remember when we used to travel all the time, you know, that safety speech where, you know, if for some unforeseen reason we should lose cabin pressure and the mask drop from the overhead compartment, you are to put it on yourself first, because if you don't, you can't help anybody else. And this is how people are going through their lives. They don't know their who and their why. And, you know, the other day I was really digging into my uh, accountability group that, again, that mentorship that mastermind mentorship group that I lead privately. There's small groups where we're talking, you know, a dozen or less. Um, and we meet once a week and I was digging into hope. Okay. Because I think this is a good segue for us to kind of right now, what we're talking about, not only my own personal journey, but cause it's been rough 
for me to all of a sudden go from traveling every single week, sometimes multiple times in a week to nothing and, and going through this reinvention process and, you know, cleaning diapers, the works, right. You know, of the real Mr. Mom stuff and then still trying to find hope. And I was telling them for me, hope is the most powerful weapon in my arsenal because I realize that the problem is that many people do not know how to use it with, see with hope, what you think is big is actually small and what is small is actually big. And let me unpack this a little bit. You see with hope in your heart, what you think is a big problem becomes small. Hope allows your, allows you to have power over your problems through the peace in your heart with hope in your heart. What you think is small and not worthy of any service for others is something that someone else has been looking for all along. And I might be speaking to one of your listeners right now when I say, stop thinking you're small. You are worthy. You are significant. Hope provides perspective to your position, power over your problems, passion for your purpose, and progress toward your potential. Just imagine how many people would never commit suicide if they knew they were worthy and significant. Because hope elevates expectation and excitement. The problem is, is that some people will get discouraged because they, their, their dream looked drastically different in the distance. My response is that you can't always make the picture fit your preferences. And like you were saying earlier about these self-reflection questions, whenever I run into an obstacle, I use the following three questions to, to, to to confront a condition that calls for a conclusion. Number one, what does it matter? Number two, what path shall I choose? Number three, what does it mean to me? The responses to the questions you ask yourself will determine whether you live in a state of frustration or freedom. And when I allow hope to be part of my choice, what I'm really doing is when I face an obstacle of any kind, I ask myself, well, what would love do? Again, what does it matter? What path shall I choose? And what does it mean to me? The pursuit of love and hope will refine peace. And the thing is right now with, with, with so much strife politically um, in the world, just the, and the operational tempo of, of our careers being confusing we can't wait for hope anymore we have to create it mm -hmm. and so i was talking to these people too because about you know they said well i have discovered my who and my why and this and that but i i'm still not there and i said it, it, it may take your entire life to make sense of all your efforts your actions are not wasted you have a purpose you are worthy how long it takes to your goal is determined on how much of your heart you're going to put into what you hope for. If you hold back in any manner, you run the risk of fueling your fear and dwelling in a dungeon of doubt with lengthen the timeline that it takes to get to your destiny. That's why more than ever, I think the world needs hope. But the problem is, is that to some people build their strength around their circumstances instead of through their character. External validation and dependency is an addiction 
And it, and it elevates anxiety and allows the difficulties to appear greater than your dreams. You're right, Christine. I, I, I'm, I'm not the typical soldier. Um, I, I know that. Uh, um, because I didn't want to be the typical soldier. I wanted to be, um, people ask me all the time when I tell them what I do, they'll say that, oh, you're like a personal trainer. And I'll look at them and I say, no, I'm a life changer. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll, of course, they'll tilt their head to the side like the dog that heard the high pitch hum. And, but, and, I, and I said, that, well, look, again, how do you want to be remembered? And every single day I try and find a new way to ch- change someone's life. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. I'm telling you it hasn't been easy. But I'm reminded that, that hope and perseverance go hand in hand with each other. You know, that's, um, there's another thing that most people, your listeners, and I don't think I've told anyone this, but I was in a band both in high school and in college. Yeah, I was a, a lead singer. And, and then what was when the I was in my college years, I was band. trying to learn guitar. What was the name of the band? Okay, I mean, Batteries Not Included. Yes. We were called Batteries Not Included. Like the movie? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. We were. Now, remember, this is the 80s. A great name. And, oh, I guess so. But I, I, <laughs> I but well, because the reason is on our first gig in my senior year in high school, uh, they, um, the, uh, the microphone um, got dropped and it, and it fell in a, a, a bucket of beer or something like that. And it was ruined. And so I just sang over all the instruments and they said, dude, man, you guys are like batteries not included, bro. And so that was it. And so, and it stuck. Right. But, um, it's, but when I was in college, I was trying to expand on this cause I was starting to like, you know, I like that life. It was fun. It was part of the whole party thing too. Right. And that was, goes with college. But I remember that I was also, well, I was trying to go, and learn more things. And I was playing guitar. And if for those that are in your, your listeners that remember the days that they've tried to learn guitar early on, they, do you remember? Okay. There's an incredible amount of pain. And I remember experiencing from depressing my fingers on the long neck of the guitar to make the chords. And when we would practice and practice and practice and practice, I remember that sometimes I kind of dreaded going to the practice because of the pain I was experiencing. And I was looking at the lead guitars one day and I said, man, I mean, I really want to be good at this. And I, I guess that someday I will be, but I'm just having trouble getting through this point here, the, the pain point. And he says, you can't quit before the calluses. Yep. And I realize that's it. That's hope. In order for us to really believe that hope will work for us, we can't quit before the calluses, and which means that we're going to have to endure what sometimes wears us out a little bit and hardens up us so that we can defend ourselves better and then overcome our obstacles because that is what's going to make us better. And I mean, this is what we learned when I went to the University of Pennsylvania School of Positive Psychology to become a master resilience trainer for the lead life coach position 
in the Suicide Prevention Task Force, they said that the very day one uh, um, during that class, they said, there are two things that can happen to you when you face adversity of any kind, fall apart or bounce back. That's life. Falling apart, not an option, right? Well, when you bounce back, you never bounce back to where you were before because what you go through, you grow through. And so I realized that even though things are really difficult right now, conflict always comes before your calling. Conflict always comes before your calling. Your listeners need to know this. If they're dealing with something right now, that means there's something great that's about to happen. That's true. There's no other, there's no other way that it can happen. That if something really difficult is something they're experiencing right now, something great is about to happen because conflict becomes before the calling. Did that give more clarity to I guess. Do I normally cry I before <laughs> some sort of like something I'm going to try and accomplish where I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Right? Absolutely. No. <laughs> and and this, You say this to me all the time, Brian. Oh, it's like, you're ready. When I call <laughs> or I talk to Brian and I'm like, I'm freaking out or I'm having some sort of meltdown. He's like, you're on the verge of something great. <laughs> Turn on the tears. She's having a meltdown. Something awesome is going to happen. I'm like, you know. You're usually right, but it's going through it that is the part that I don't enjoy all the time. But you have to. It's yeah, part of life. That's gratitude you going to. through it. Oh, man. I, I, you know, the when you're thinking, when you're talking about the guitar strings, the thing I'm thinking about is the saddle when you're sitting on a bicycle oh for a God. long time. No, I was thinking that too. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's some, you got to, we gotta, can't quit before the callus is there either. Um, you know, no doubt about it. I sat it. in an ice bucket after my first long ride, year, like years ago, <laughs> when I was training for my first Ironman. Did smoke I, come out I when went you on my first long bike ride for like six hours. And I don't think I could walk the next day. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. It's, you know. So true. What is it? Is it a bike seat or is it a, a bad relationship or is it a, you know, a job that you have? Is it self-doubt? It's, you know, whatever that callous has to be. I wish, you know, people would understand that you have to have that callous of your personality, of your brain that to make you tougher. Yes. You know, that hard yes. candy shell is real. That is a real thing. It's true. What? what let oh me, man! Let, let me ask you this now. Now, okay. No doubt, anyone that has listened to this episode uh, and and you know continued on thus far, this far, um, you know, you've got you're a man with a tremendous amount of insight. Obviously, you're both learned and in life and in you know in, in education and books and academia. What? There are plenty of people that are feeling what you're saying right now but aren't quite right. there. They don't have the understanding of these things. Where do you suggest they start? Well, you know, I, 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 I think that now, especially since there's so many soloists that are jumping on to try and get social media status instead of um, to really focus on purpose, that, they need to really look at who's who's already in their inner circle. And if they haven't got an inner circle, they need to figure out who that is. Be, because, um, you know, the old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so and I realized that that's the first thing that I did when we had this overwhelm us in March of 2020. I started looking at, you know, team members like you, Christine, and everyone. And I just said, um, 
um, I said, okay, having a team at my side doesn't compete with me. It completes me. And I realized that when people are really dealing with this, they, they've got to, they got to realize that, um, you're, that, that you're not in this alone. And um, you ever notice this? You ever notice this? A farmer. A farmer, when he's, it, you never see a farmer really stress out that much. You know, he's planted the seeds and everything. And, and, and you know, a farmer's not sitting there staring at the soil just, well, I hope it, I hope it, you know, starts to sprout. No, a farmer is, re- has hope that what's going to happen, even though he can't see it, what's happening in the soil is going to, it's going to flourish. It's going to bloom. It's going to flourish. And I think that's what we all need to do is have a farmer's spirit because the seed, metaphorically looking at us, the seed is built with this protective coating. So even though we're going to face, you know, harsh environments and harsh situations in our lives, that like a seed, we're all built with this protective coating. And what happens is that seed is designed for a certain destiny and that seed will eventually take root and grow. So like the seed, the day you discovered your why was not the day it was deposited into you. The seed of purpose was already there. We just need to go ahead and add some water and let it grow. The idea of hope, which is interesting because there's two parts to this. There's people that say, I hope that this happens. And then there's the people that have Mm -hmm. hope, which I think Mm -hmm. is very important to relay because you can read a book, you can listen to a speech, you could say, mm-hmm. oh, I mm-hmm. hope this happens. I hope – no, no, no. You it, can even know that you need it. Right. You need to make it happen and then mm-hmm. have hope in the process. Mm-hmm. And that is super powerful That with that whole idea of the farmer. He's doing something. He's out there making mm-hmm. it happen, planting the seeds, mm-hmm. and then – with hope that I've done everything, my ducks are in order, I know that this is supposed to happen and it will. And that is the whole key when, you know, when I hear you speak and and what makes you so powerful is that you instill in other people that they can do it, whatever that it is. And I was talking to my mm-hmm. husband the other day. I've been having one, I'm going to be honest, I've been having one hell of a time um, writing, getting started writing my book that I don't know if you knew this, Ken, that my first book is due out in January, 2022. And I have mm. been having a time and a half. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, because you have to take a lot and put it into a little of, right. you know, yes. and yes. what's crazy. I was talking to my husband last night again about like, oh, this and, that. and he's just listens to me and nods. <laughs> um, I don't even know if he listens. I don't even know if he listens to me anymore. It's like the remote. He mutes me, but he turned to me and said, listen, if your biggest concern is a certain title or a this or that, or whatever it is that you're talking about, he goes, 
isn't it awesome that you can turn around and say that your mission and purpose in life is that you have a gift to inspire others. Is yes. that is that not the most amazing thing that you can think about? He's like, so why are you so caught up on this title? And when I sat back, I was like, damn, you're good. Because that's what we're concerned about. You mentioned social media and how do I look and what does this person think of and, and my job and my status. And, and at the end of the day, you know, your eulogy, right? What's the best right. eulogy that right. I am someone right. that has the power to change lives. Don't ask me right. what my, my role is, my job, right? Christine, what do you do? And I'm like, how much time do you have? Cause I do a, <laughs> like, there's so many different people I work with it's and I, big so umbrella. Many, it's, but at the end of the day, it's, well, you know what? I see things in others that they have yet to see about themselves and give them the inspiration mm-hmm. to fill in the blank. And that's what you do. And that's what, you know, all, all three of us right now have, we're woke, we're up, we're, our eyes are open to life. And mm. it's, it's a powerful thing once those laser beams come out of your eyes and they can help other people. Um, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, we're thankful for someone like you who's going out there and being that lighthouse and shining on so many souls around the world it's, you know, it's a uh, very, very meaningful work that you're doing, and we're very thankful. You're writing a hell of a eulogy. There it is. There it is. Dropping the mic on that one. Well, I feel, be, I feel blessed to be a part of your mission, your journey as well, the both of you, and, um, and, and to be able to be a, just a small part of your big mission to serve others. And if there's any way I can kind of sum up this whole matter of hope is that hope uh, and, and understanding what you just said about that difficulty in writing the book is that hope is for matters of the heart, but your head will still need to make a plan. So every, you know, when you're running into those obstacles, ask yourself, are you helping or hindering your heart from hope? Because your, your, your heart, your heart may not always know the way, but it'll always be the way. And I too, as you know, and I'm writing my book as well. And um, trying to do a thousand words a week, and it's 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 aggressive. Um, and um, but I realize that any any area that I'm withholding from heart from the heart of hope is an area where I cannot be blessed. And that it and that will make. I mean, I'll think of every excuse in the world, and I'll justify them to not finish that thousand words a week. If I let my head do the deciding. Ken, tell our listeners right now, if they want to okay. learn anything or more or resources from you about all of this, mm-hmm. where can they go? Well, um, yeah, so we're launching a new series of uh, private mastermind mentorship groups, really accountability groups. And, um, and they're going to be because um, we're we're in the middle of one right now, and we try and keep these small and private. And and so if they go to uh, sergeantken.com, s g t k e n dot com, they can find out more about that. Uh, and or they could always just go to our contact page and you know write to me directly. And and I in the meantime, while waiting for that group, uh, they could also uh, I'll send them my my suggested reading list. With, 
we've, you know, we've, we've got to wake up each day like a kid on Christmas morning, um, excited to embrace the day and open up those gifts of life. And, um, and a lot of that is, you know, starting today with professional development, you know, working on those dimensions of physical, nutritional, emotional, social, family, financial, and spiritual all at once. And, and then really pursuing that. And then we will, we will have more ammunition to face the adversity around us. Um, and so uh, that, that if they wanted to reach out to me, that's what I could tell you right there. And then lastly, lastly, the most powerful word in the growth mindset language to help with help you with the heart of hope is the word yet. And if people run into obstacles, they just need to add the word yet to any of those statements. Like, I'm not good at that. Yet. Yet. I don't know if I can do that. Yet. So my last little statement for the good of the others and tell your listeners, when in doubt, add the word yet. And then next time you see that fixed mindset in action, add that word yet and watch that obstacle become an opportunity. I haven't crossed the finish line of the hundred mile race yet. She there pointed you go. at me. We got a date. We have a date in April to run a hundred miles, Sergeant Ken. It's all happening, Sergeant Ken. Oh. Listen, audience. Last time I did an ultra, last time I did an ultra was in the in the nineties. I, I I don't still alive. I don't envy you. Still yeah, alive. So, exactly. So you'll be fine. You'll get through it. A story for another episode. Oh. Yes. I got to say right now, audience, have you not heard enough? Can oh you please gosh. reach out to Sergeant Ken and, you know, get going with yourself, please? Google him. He's out there. <laughs> what do you say? It's like, he's kind of a big deal. It's kind of, it's kind of uh, really motivating. So throwing that out there. Sergeant Ken, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule and everything you're doing and Mr. Mom and yeah, cooking. We'll, let you, we'll and, let you get back to that now. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, it's about her nap time. So she's looking at me right now like, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you again so much. And I can't wait to see you in person one day again. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen again soon. But, you know, in the meantime, let's uh, let's just continue to impact and empower others. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your journey. Awesome. It is our pleasure. With that said, it's Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Peace. Peace.